Hello, the internet, and welcome to season one of three, episode three of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist! Yeah. Ooh, a little pop there. Uh, it's a production of iHeartRadio, this show. Uh, it's a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck Coke Industries, fuck. as in the Coke Brothers, and fuck Fox News. It's Wednesday, October 9th, 2019. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Daily Zite. It's the Daily Zite. Jackie O'Brien. Daily Zite. It's the Daily Zite. Bye bye. bye. Uh, it's courtesy of MS Word, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co host, Mr. Miles Gray. It's the Daily Zite, guys. We're second rate. And I'm Miles Gray from LA here with the hot takes. So I reach for my headphones and I turns it up. Designated writer puts the tea in my cup. Hit record when I'm faded. People in my tweets saying, Miles, yo, we made it. It feels so good in my hood tonight. <laughs> the Taco Bell squirts and fries, eight for fries. All the Zeitgangers forgot about the Popeyes. You gotta get your goof on before you go get paid. So come in with a puff and bring your myth up. And let me hear the Zeitgang save. Woo! <laughs> I was <laughs> skipping around. There's a whole chorus and... Uh, at a certain point, the wheels do come off. Mm. Uh, and thank you. The greatest of thanks must be given. Uh, debt of gratitude to Samuel Hain at Roy underscore black. Uh, and because him and, as he put, my wife at Header B. Jordan uh, put this little AK together. Oh, from wow. April. Shit, see, half the time I don't see because... <laughs> A lot of shit going cracks. on in our mentions, yeah. man. Yeah. We're, you know, we're... A lot of tips Podcast on. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. You know, I have a pretty big <laughs> deal. Uh, Little boy. <laughs> was yours a suicide? Yeah, it was. It suicide. Was, I, it's I, a suicide. I did not quite nail it, but that's okay. Uh, that was courtesy of at MS Word. Like I said, is that MS Word as in Michael Swaim? Uh, let me know, MS Word. Or Michael or Microsoft? My, well, Michael Swain's rap name was MS, MS Word spelled like that. Yeah. Oh. So. Oh. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, or I could just call him and ask him. I guess. Yeah. Well. Nah. Let's, whatever. Let's you. communicate like this. <laughs> uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the very talented host of uh, Ridiculous History, uh, stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, he is an executive producer of many a <laughs> podcast. He is. Our podcast Whoa. cousin, our podcast brethren, Mr. Noel Brown. Miles, are you okay? I I I was so impressed by the resume that my cold brew went to the wrong. It went down my uh, windpipe. Your what? <laughs> you know when you swallow something goes down no, the wrong. What's hole? a cobra? I don't know. Cold what this brew. Is. Oh, oh that called a cobra. cobra. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm drinking King Cobra malt liquor. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold choice. It's yeah. the thing I put in this cold a lot brew of things can. You're gonna learn being here in person. <laughs> I know. Last time know. I was in my bedroom by myself with right. like a little earbud in, like hearing you like on speakerphone, and. And then the edit came out, and I was like, that sounds like I was a normal human yeah. being. Yeah, That's I mean, great. we had Ben here yesterday, now you. Really? It's just, <sighs> I mean, yeah, eventually we'll have to make our Atlanta tour uh, yeah. over there. Please. Yeah, Record we got to do it. We got to get the back. The true mothership. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Noel, first of all, how you doing? How's mm-hmm. LA treating you? It's good. Um, I, I saw Will Smith and his entire family in the lobby of my hotel right when I got here. So it's like, it was like <laughs> the, the most, most LA, LA thing right. imaginable. <laughs> Yeah, like Gemini Man was premiering at the Chinese and like they blocked off the whole lobby of the Roosevelt for the party. And so we could only go in the valet entrance. And that's where Will Smith and his entire family like, was just posted entire... up. Yeah, it was like Jada and Jaden. Willow was the only one that was conspicuously absent. I don't know what her Damn, deal is. The best one. She's like the Tiffany Trump of, right. of the Will Smith Again, family dynasty. Again, the best dynasty. one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was a thing that happened. Let me ask you something. Was he, anything jump out to you about He's his very appearance? tall. What the fuck, man? I found him to be quite tall. I found him to be quite short. See, that's kind of what my friend said, but I only looked at him for a brief second because I already felt like I was in trouble just for like looking right. at him. But uh, it was <laughs> kind of like quite seeing- short. Isn't he like 6'2"? I, that's what I thought. He I thought he was 6'2", and then I saw him at a movie premiere Did you years go... and years ago. Uh-huh. Well, maybe I he was still was growing. on stilts, uh, uh-huh. but he- I, I, was, <laughs> I was on a penny farthing. Working, I was working my previous job, <laughs> juggling at movie premieres uh, on stilts, and he, but he just seemed like he was more like 5'10"-ish, 5, which, oh, okay. so like not short, like more of average height compared right. to- saying tall. I always assumed he was a tall, tall man. Okay. 
Uh, anyways, you totally fucked my world up right there, Noel. This is our mystery hey. show episode where rather than, than Jake Gyllenhaal, we're trying to get to the bottom of, is Will Smith tall? Right. Is he really tall? That is, all, it's that all relative. There's no objective way to prove yeah, it's that. Just, right. Oh, it's all relative. Yeah. The Jake Gyllenhaal one, he ended up being 5'11". I forget what the number yeah. was. It wasn't as important than the ride. Right. Know? Yeah. But that would be my mystery show if I, I track down Will Smith and go back to back with him. And be like, Starly Kine, make this show. Make it, was, it. It was sort of like seeing a cartoon character walk into a room, though. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. It was there, interesting. Like, Did you do I, a double take? Well, my friend said, look, it's Will Smith. And I, like, I thought he was okay. joking. And then I looked over and it was, it was oh, fucking yeah. Will Smith. So. There we go. Yeah. 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 I can still remember seeing Michael Jordan in person when I was a kid and- like he was just in a hotel lobby or something. Right. And he put but a like, cigar out on your head, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, he said, hey, hold this kid. Hey, hold this, and then put it as out I was screaming, head. he turned to Charles Oakley and said, fuck them kids. Well, fuck this kid. Uh, as he walked away. <laughs> uh, no, but it's like, yeah, it's really like all of a sudden your world becomes a movie because sure. your, your brain can't like have that person yeah, in yeah. it and not be uh that was like when i met the rock at wrestlemania 14 yeah and i was fucked up because yeah. i was obsessed with him and he in my mind he was nine feet ten right nine feet ten inches he was so big out of outsized and it's true like it depends i think on the importance of the person to right. you if it's just like you know fucking what's that guy's name uh Jake Colin Gyllenhaal. Farrell, who I saw like at a pizza place, he's like, a small that man. Guy stinks like cigarettes. Yeah. Where the <laughs> Rock small was man a guy stinks yeah. like cigarettes. I saw him at Pink's, uh, the hot dog place. Colin Farrell, here. he's out here eating very garbage like, food. Garbage food. Yeah, just doing his thing. So yes. respect to you, Colin. Very talented actor who has one of the most amazing, uncanny curses of just every movie he's in. Tanks, unfortunately. Have, have you seen the thing where it's like candid pictures of celebrities eating hot dogs embarrassingly at like? Baseball games, it's like, <laughs> it's like, like they gallery. don't know how. Well, no, it just looks like it looks like they caught him in the worst possible, oh, right. unattractive moment of eating a hot dog, which There's, is you know the whole process of eating. a There hot is dog, no but... way to elegantly eat a hot no. dog, especially right. if you're like me. I'm pro toppings, oh, yeah. so that shit is already falling. It's like a, it's a mess. Yeah, no matter yeah. how you do it. Disaster. All I'm yeah. saying is, I bet there's a Colin Farrell one out there. Oh, of, pro- of course, yeah, yeah, pinks. Hot dog. It ain't easy. Have you seen a uh, Tigerland? Mm-hmm. The movie with him, yeah, that was a really good performance by him. It was that like, was kind of the one that helped really p- be like oh, that was the one that put him on something. the map. Yeah, but if people don't uh, believe me, before you tweet at me and say he's not a good actor, watch Tigerland. I remember you know going which... into it, I thought it was going to be like up what Private Ryan was for World War II, except for yeah. Nam. No, it's and not. I was like, like a... wait, this is a character-driven yeah, story. It's just very, uh, you know, at the time I think I was like sixteen or seventeen. Modest so. film, right? Uh, but very, you know, his performance is great. Uh, anyways, Null. We're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners that just a few of the things we're talking about. Uh, Betsy DeVos, DeVos is an unbelievable fuck-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a fuck-up like my pronunciation of her name. Uh, I can't get it right. There's and no she real way to say get that things name. right. I mean, Davos is the evil corporation in Westworld. Right. We right. should just start calling her that. Right. Yeah, Betsy Davos. Uh, we are going to check but actually, with actually, out the... of respect for Davos Seaworth. You Wait, know what I mean? Like, you... Maybe I got that wrong, but you get that. You get the yeah. Well, Davos is that billionaire meetup, too. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. By the way, we've come right up to the precipice of saying there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's a couple of times, uh, and it's just in the back of my mind, so I had to itch that scratch. Uh, we're going to check in with the whistleblower scandal. Load of whistle. mm. uh, there was an Atlantic article last week that is becoming important, in my mind at least, again, uh, where they spoke with the generals, uh, the the people who run the U.S. military, uh, about what it's like to work for Donald Trump. Like and, on the record? Uh, no, it was basically, I mean, there's only so many of them. Right, <laughs> so right. It's like, but, like the Joint Chiefs or? Uh, it was just, I don't know. It was the dude who wrote Black Hawk Down. Mark so Bowden? He, yeah. Yeah. So he like writes about the U.S. military and like has oh, connections yeah, he's, in the U.S. military. Right, yep. And he, you know, just spoke with all sorts of different people in military leadership about kind of getting a general. Is it Bowden or Bowden? I it's B-O-W. I do it because of like Coach Bobby Bowden of Florida right. State. Yes. Uh, the God. Uh, <laughs> in that part of the world, yes. We're going to ask the question if tides are shifting uh, on how people feel about the impeachment. We're going to talk about whether tides are shifting on how people feel about Jerking off to the Joker. Uh, <laughs> apparently, they are uh, shifting way up. Uh, we're going to talk about China continuing to bring the hammer down on people 
uh, who do fun for a living. We're going to talk about Ellen being pals with George W. Bush. Uh, We're going to talk about San Francisco rent and how it has uh, led to the invention of some virtual restaurants. Uh, But first, Noel, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Uh, It's Joker sign. Um, because there's all these like great like signs that are like fake signs that are making the rounds <laughs> about like not letting incels like right go in. into the Joker movie. So I've been really enjoying those. If your balls are backed up with with cum. cum. Yeah, if you, you haven't, if you haven't shot one. ropes into a woman in the last year, that's yeah. Those are what's up. I just saw like a couple that were yeah. more like eh, no single men. I didn't realize the fine print. The was best like... the best execution was one that like starts out like a sign that you get like no single men and right. you're like okay and it has the logo of the theater chain but then like as you read the fine print it gets more and more uh balls backed up with cum shooting ropes i think it was the arc light yeah yeah that sounds like in la (laughs) Uh, some rabble rouser very funny uh what is something you think is overrated i think the blair witch project is overrated what yeah my favorite movie i'm sorry guys i just i recently revisited (laughs) Uh. it I remember digging it when I was a kid, but I just remember so much being made of the creepy ending where the person's just like facing the wall. And I went back and rewatched, and it's just the person facing the wall. Yeah, I don't yeah. understand what what I think I'm because like, did I miss something? Like, well, I, it was I, the the myth around the provenance of the footage. Sure. that really, but separated from that, it's not oh, terrible. A great it's not movie. good. No, and I, you know it's funny because I bought into it, but I I remember as like what was that ninety nine or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, like when it came out and that scene happened, I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, I remember immediately being like, nah, I don't fuck this. Really? But everyone was like, the um, ending is so scary. And I don't understand. I'm, yeah, I'm like, because the dude was in the corner? Yeah. I found it scary at the time. You did? I have not gone back and watched it because I suspect what you're saying is true and that it's all, it's 100% context. But you guys, I studied film and sometimes it's about what you don't show. Oh, okay. On screen. Mm-hmm. That's and cool. So, I can get behind that. Um, I think you dropped your jewel. <laughs> um, is also shout out to Blair High School, I think, which is named after the Blair Witch Project in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, where it's named Steve after the Francis went. Steve Francis's old high school. Damn. Or no Blair idea. is like the Blair right. Woods. It's the Blair and, Woods. You know, with my information, I know from that region of Maryland uh, connected. Yeah. I can't imagine the woods are so big that people are getting lost in there a lot. No, I think for people who lived around there too are like, mm, okay, yeah, whatever, whatever y'all want. Speaking yeah. of like hindsight about movies, I've been doing this fun thing with my 10-year-old daughter where I've been watching like bad 80s horror movies because mm-hmm. she's just old enough where like she just doesn't give a shit. She's not scared because like the production right. value is so low <laughs> that it's just a fun thing we she's can like, do It's together. corn syrup, it's we, not even good blood. We watched uh, the 90s version of It, like the TV movie. Oh, yeah. And it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Like I had like nightmares and couldn't sleep for days and she just laughed the whole way through. It made me feel like a giant pussy. Right. It, was, yeah. it was awesome. She literally <laughs> called me a giant pussy. Wow. And hit me. Wow, um, 10 yeah. years old. She's, she's tough, man. But yeah. no, then we watched Child's Play, the original, and that's a lot of fun. If you haven't right. seen that in a long time, yeah. highly recommend she's it. She's like, put on Ichi the Killer now. And you're like, what the <laughs> no, fuck? There yet. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a new movie coming out, though. Yeah. Takashi Miike. Ichi the Killer? The oh. guy that directed Ichi the Killer. Yeah. Um, has she seen Home Alone 2? Because I feel like once you've seen that, you can't look at Tim Curry the same. That's a good point. No. Yeah. Um, she's seen Scary. Home Alone 1. She's not right. seen Lost in New yeah. York. Or well, show seen her that. Tim That's Curry's performance in Congo as Herkimer Hermolka, formerly of Romania. What is that accent? Herkimer Hermolka, formerly of Romania. She does that? And even Delroy Lindo has a weird African accent. He's like, stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> What's right? There's this moment <laughs> where Tim Curry's like nervously eating all these sesame cakes and Delroy Lindo's supposed to be like this African general and he's clocking him eating his sesame cake and he's like, stop eating my sesame cake. See, I was of the age that I, like Jurassic Park came out. I read all of Michael Crichton's books, but I was like over it by the time the movies came out. So I, I don't know oh, all these lines. Crichton by... hipster over yeah. Yeah, I was a Sphere. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even see Sphere the movie, and I was like, when I was a kid, I was like, Sphere's actually Crichton's best. Uh, it's That's funny. I remember Park. actually hearing that take from people who were like, it's actually like the book's way better. And it's yeah. probably the best thing. Yeah. I said I re- nobody ever about yeah. a movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Congo yeah, exactly. was just like the most expensive B movie ever. Oh, like, yeah. It, it really is just absolute trash. It was great marketing for pop tents. And it was also like, it was like a Burger King tie-in. They had like the cups, like you the commemorative cups yep, and everything. Yep, and yep. I remember that distinctly. I mean, Amy, want raindrop drink. Uh-huh. That's what it said for a martini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, totally. Uh, what is something you think is underrated? So it's in my brain, y'all. I've been really liking shuffleboard lately. I think it sort of gets a bad rap as like a old people like retirement community game. Mm-hmm. But there's something really satisfying about like the weight of that little puck or whatever yeah, that you push and being way more coordinated than your geriatric opponents right. like smash <laughs> yeah. them out of the park exactly. and be like, "Keep up, Gerald." That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I did shuffleboard for the first time on I forget where. Oh, in Santa Monica, there is an official shuffleboard like park because that's how much they invest in the elderly in Santa Monica. Good. And I remember trying that for the first time, and I was like, "This is gonna be lame." And it actually, there, this when you actually start getting the feel for it. Well, so there's like a ground version. There's a tabletop version, right? Right, right, right. So I'm I'm talking about the tabletop. Oh, the version. Bo- like with the wax shaving, the little wax, yeah, or sand or whatever. Or whatever. It is, it's yeah. like you push this kind of weighted metal puck and uh, you know. I'm talking old school shuffleboard See, I like I do that with one. Gerald yeah. at the yeah. geriatric center that's the real <laughs> senior center that's only on the decks people. of like cruise ships yeah, yeah. right exactly yeah. that's big... fu- yeah the but yeah I see that more and more at bars now it's like, a thing yeah for yeah, sure it's been slowly I feel like maybe it was more prevalent on the east coast or yeah, something yeah that's but, been a huge game yeah cause slowly now like west coast bars are doing the thing where it's like yeah we'd have games now right like that other one with the ring and the string and the hook that's like another bar game you see all the time. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know this Hook one. ring? Ring hook? It's like a fucking, it's like a, a str- long ass string with like a brass ring attached to it. And there's like a hook on the other side and you're trying to like swing it on so it connects to the hook. It sounds incredible, but I, I'm not it's aware It's just of this dumb game. ass games that drunk people can play for hours. Like cornhole. Do they have cornhole here? Yeah. If you go to like Angel City Brewery, they got Cornwall in the brewery you can play. Yeah. Cornhole's a lot of fun. Yeah. What is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Well, um, you know, there's this whole idea of Napoleon complex, which probably gets a lot of play now with Trump and everything. But turns out Napoleon wasn't really that short. Right. He had this nickname, the Little Corporal, um, and his height was recorded in French feet, which was five feet and two inches. But that's actually five foot seven in English feet. So he was actually just a little bit taller than than an average Frenchman. Oh, yeah. Wait, what's French feet? I don't know. Was that I got it from? You think it was taken from like? like some king's foot back then? Well, that's a really good point. It probably yeah, is. It's just gonna, their, their well, it's like, they're like, well, our king had a bigger foot, homie. So right. when I say six feet, six English feet. Yeah. Oh, so unit of, yeah, units of measurement in France before the French Revolution. So they had a different uh, set of, of, of measurements. Got huh. it. Completely. It had arbitrary. to do with uh, Charlemagne. Oh. And that's all I got. Charlemagne yeah. the God. Yeah. That's interesting, though, because that, it, yeah, I think that was started by people trying to, like, slander him or, you know, trying to just shit on him. And so they were like, here, we'll start a rumor that he's a tiny, tiny man. And it just was never true. No, and it's funny, though. This thing just came out on in The Independent. Uh, the headline speaks for itself. Napoleon's penis size confirmed. Channel 4 documentary calls the artifact, quote, very small. Oh, oh really? So that's, you know. They're, they're, they're still trying to slander they, the right. man. How'd they, how'd they, why are they allowed to do that? Exactly. Right. Wait, that's that was an a outrage. British outlet? That was a yeah, British it, yeah, yeah, it's a show called Dead Famous See, DNA. Still, where this they, is still uh, England just Yeah, fucking being, with the French. Yeah. Being like, oh, guess what, homie? We exhumed your old leader. <laughs> right. Checked out his dead mummy dick. Right. Are there a lot of mummies with huge dicks? Like, I Dude, feel if like, your dick is big still, you're a mummy, you must you be had, packing. Yes. Even in the dehydrated state of death. Right. That's why. Anyway, welcome to the Daily Zeitgeist. Yeah. Where I'm, we trying talk to think about... <laughs> I'm trying to think of other like shitty rumors that got started about people that stuck. But like I know the let them eat cake uh, Marie Antoinette thing was actually like made up. Basically, it was like the rabble outside's version of her, but she never said that isn't like Caligula one of those people too that there's Caligula. a ton of misinformation yeah, about also right. like there's because I remember when we were doing like historical flexes we were thinking about it, and I was like wait half of these are just bullshit like wind up stories from like people after Caligula were like right he was so dumb he tried to fight the sea man uh who's the leader who fucked a horse allegedly that wasn't Catherine, Caligula Catherine the Great oh, I don't know I, I always thought it was every yeah. every weird sex yeah animal basically sex story, if you're hearing that Caligula. a person if you're hearing that a person in power like did something monstrous sexually that seems like possibly physically impossible, uh, that that probably was started by their political rivals. Well, yep. like the scent, like oh wait, wasn't his horse going to be a senator or something? Yes, I think that's that what was it was. Or was it Nero? To make I think horse... it was Nero. Or maybe, maybe Nero. That did the that did the horse? See, look senator. how look how we went from talking about Roman leaders to mummy penises. It's just yeah. Anyways, so we come for the good stuff. Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. 
And we're back. And Betsy DeVos is an unbelievable fuck up. Miles, take it away. All right. Thanks a lot. Miles Gray here. <laughs> back the, to you. The older sister of wannabe General Eric Prince and current Secretary of Education has perhaps landed herself some jail time? Maybe. Uh, maybe. Well, maybe. It's yeah. hard to know because she's a powerful white person. Uh, so jail doesn't necessarily come for these people. But here's the deal. Okay. So she's in hot water for basically... Right now, she could possibly go to jail, or it's possible that she could be held in contempt of court. Why? So Corinthian College is like a predatory for-profit college that was in all kinds of fuckery. Kamala Harris even went after them. Uh, and they basically, I think this is in 2015, they eventually filed for b- bankruptcy protection that year. And the federal government uh, also ruled that year that as many as like over 330,000 former students could be entitled to have their debts canceled under the borrower defense to repayment program. Then Betsy DeVos comes in and you know, she doesn't, she's like, come on, we don't need to protect consumers. That's sort of been her whole theme. Right. She has, there has been numerous attempts from her department of education to limit the scope of this program. And also like ignoring over 160,000 applications that were made for loan forgiveness. So people had to sue because they're like, uh, hello, this was not, this isn't supposed to happen. They're bankrupt. We've already determined that legally they're not going to come after us for these for this money, but they were still trying to collect. So when they sued, all these documents came out that showed that the Department of Education was still going after people despite a fucking court order. And the presiding judge over this is just incensed. This, this quote sort of says it all. It says, at best, it is gross negligence. At worst, it's an intentional flouting of my order. So, you know, I don't know. Sounds like the Trump administration. Yeah, I, again, it's it's hard to know how much is actually like negligence and how much is like, oh, I don't know. I'm not used to getting in trouble and I'm sort of used to just doing whatever I want. Right. Is that, is that and now that I have now? more power than I ever did, like I'm going to do even more what I yeah, so so now there's going to be another lawsuit that the judge has approved to go forward against uh, Betsy DeVos, and in that one could ultimately decide um, just how negligent she was if they find her to be in contempt. Is there a sense that she's like in cahoots with Corinthian College or has like something to gain from doing this? Like, um, is, I'm it, is, she just, is she just being like dumb? I don't know exactly what the sort of connections are between her and Corinthian. It just sort of seems more of like, I'm sure that she's probably friends with somebody who works right. there. Who's very wealthy. Right, because like, they all- That's the, we're going to talk later about Ellen and George W. Bush and like that sort of class solidarity of the ultra wealthy. And mm-hmm. like that is, that is real, you guys. They are consistent. They are loyal. They will find ways to unfuck the people who are also ultra wealthy because that's how you- both maintain your wealth and ensure that like it's protected. Like they, they look out for each other. And so, I mean, if you look at a situation where you feel like there's no oversight that's going to hold your hand to the fire and the situation is either 160,000 poor to middle class people or like one ultra wealthy person, Betsy DeVos, a ultra wealthy person is going to look out for the ultra wealthy person unless you've are paying a lot of attention and threatening to arrest yeah, her. Yeah, and what's wild is a lot, because of this failure to actually like honor the court order, a lot of people were getting like their tax refunds and like wages garnished. So it's just it's, what the fuck, man. Again, it's just another indirect uh, hit at working people. Yeah, I forgot to uh, add this to the doc today. But speaking of taxes, did you see that uh, chart? That yes, is, like the taxation of like different wealth, different income strata uh, over time. And it's like the most wealthy in the country are now paying less than anyone else as like a percentage of their earnings because they have so many loopholes and they have so many, they can pay people to, you know, just lawyer the shit out of their taxes right. until they don't have to pay anything. And the IRS was even admitting they're like, it's easier to audit people with less income than it is the wealthy. So that's right. why we audit poor people more. Right. Like just plain and simple. It's like it just takes a lot of people to do that. And like Right. And they have more lawyers than us. And it doesn't it's not in America's interest to have the IRS be uh super lawyered up because that would interfere with people's money. What do you think about these eight years of tax returns that they're demanding from Trump? That's obviously never going to happen in a million years. I, I mean, 
<laughs> I know that there's a judge in New York that was basically saying like you can no longer act like because you're the president you can't we can't see this information right at least in relation to the hush money case he's involved in but I'm sure if the taxes were filed properly would be very telling I'm sure if anything if they see them they're gonna see a lot of weird shit that yeah. would only lead to other things right uh, but I mean it, clearly that's that's a huge piece of this puzzle to understand just sort of how his money's tied up and where it's coming in and going out yeah. And I, you know, it's again very similar to the Betsy DeVos thing in that it's the law just not applying to them. Like yeah. they just they just act like it doesn't apply. And so does our next story about the whistleblower scandal. Oh, okay. Uh, Very short dog. So Edward Sondlin, uh, ambassador to the EU, because he gave Trump a huge campaign donation. A million dollars. Uh, over a million dollars. Absolutely no background in diplomacy whatsoever. Just a wealthy guy who gave him a big campaign uh, contribution. Uh, he is also the guy, you know him from those texts where... Um, Actually, let, should we just read the exact transcript? He's the guy who was like, uh, we shouldn't be saying this over text message. Right. He, after Kurt Volker testified, which right. he completely went against the wishes of the State Department. He's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to testify. Yeah. Do something. Gave some texts over. And we find out that Edward Sondland, this guy, is also central to all of this as well. And he's really put laid out the quid pro quo scheme on Fucking wax in yeah. text messages to uh, Bill Taylor, who was another uh, diplomat uh, but, from the but U.S. But one who was like a, not appointed by the no Trump career person who's like it was his like Ukraine policy. Like he's like I'm here to talk about this and this back and forth. I mean, when you look, when you actually just read this back and forth, you understand why the president and the State Department was like, no, we have to block his testimony yeah. because he gives up the ghost in it. I'll be, I'll be Bill Taylor. You okay. Be, uh, Gordon I'll be Sondland. Gordon. Okay. And pr pretend uh, these are texts. Right. So I am the career diplomat. Uh, and I'll just say the message to the Ukrainians and Russians we send with the decision on security assistance is key. With the hold, we have already shaken their faith in us. Thus, my nightmare scenario. Mm. Counting on you to be right about this interview, Gordon. Bill, I never said I was, quote, right. I said, we are where we are. And believe me, we have identified the best pathway forward. Let's hope it works. As I said on the phone, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. Mm. Okay, cut to five hours later. Before all these exchanges were happening within minutes of each right. other. Fucking uh, Gordon Sondland waits five hours with this very interesting sounding response. Clearly lawyered up. Bill, I believe you are incorrect about President Trump's intentions. The president has been crystal clear. No quid pro quos of any kind. Okay. The president uh -huh. is trying to evaluate whether Ukraine is truly going to adopt the transparency and reforms that President Zelensky promised during his campaign. I suggest we stop the back and forth by text. If you still have concerns, I recommend you give Lisa Kennett or S a call to discuss them directly. Thanks. Yes. Yes, yes. So, uh, wow. Let's stop discussing this. Are you discussing crimes on the phone? Yeah. yeah. Uh-oh. It's basically the drug dealer from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Wrong number. Hang Wrong up. number. Prank caller. Prank caller. Prank caller. <laughs> Yeah, so that dude clearly knows something at the very least, knows what was happening in these conversations. There was another one where he was like, call me. And then right. like there was apparently a conversation and then the texts resume and it's clear that they've basically discussed the quid pro quo. So, I mean, Bill Taylor is not going to be able to testify under oath without either fucking the Trump administration or perjuring himself. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the that five hour gap is really great because the tone just changed so instantly when he literally says, just says out to you, you're withholding security assistance yeah. for help with a political campaign. Yeah, that's when he said, oh, shit. Right. Because uh, even in the line, yeah, the president has been crystal clear. Like if you're saying the thing out loud that you need to be like the public, you know, sort of take on. Yeah, uh, what is happening? With and the then tr Trump just continues to like mock the whole idea of the proceedings anyway with his Twitter response, right? Right. right. Like, uh, what does he say? He's a really good man and a great American. Oh, he says, I, I would love to send, I would love to send Ambassador Sondland, a right. really great right. man and great American to testify. Uh, but unfortunately, he would be testifying before a totally compromised kangaroo court where Republicans' rights have been taken away because that's all completely understood. Right. 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 That's what, yeah. where Republicans' rights have been taken away. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. 
So these damn kangaroos. And now he's talking about like let's impeach Nancy Pelosi, and impeach it's like, everyone. does he even know what any of this means? No. His his whole tactic is whatever you're saying to me, I'm gonna just say back to you. Right. Doesn't matter what it is if it doesn't make sense. Eight year old rules. Right. Yeah. It's like you're in contempt of court. He's like you're in you're you're, you're contempt of court. Right. Like what? No. You can't impeach me. I impeach you. Yeah. I'm what? not even. I hate peach. So <laughs> right. fuck you. But yeah, that's the same thing. And like Rachel Maddow was talking about this on her show too about how he will repeat words he's being accused of and give them make them meaningless. Like fake news was the first thing that people were like. This is act- fake news is benefiting the president. Then he became fake news. It's all this fake That's news. That's right. The fake I- news media. They're trying to slander me. It's the fake news. And it made basically made fake news meaningless to a lot of people. Right. And those at first we're like, this is actually a problem. We're talking about, you know, intentional deception of people through clickbait or whatever. I mean, obviously a lot of people had their eye on ad revenue, but at the same time, like that's one of his tactics. And even with collusion, he was saying, well, they were the, they were the collusion. Right. No, and then the repetition just sort of slowly drained, it, you know, the meaning out of the word. Yeah. And now it's corruption. He's so good at just talking endlessly and saying absolutely nothing that he's essentially like Flip robbed words of their meaning. Yeah. Like in rhetoric in general. He'd be a great podcast guest to be oh. honest. Oh, yeah. Just hear him bloviate. Just like, go do a quick hour on this one topic. Right. The Yankees. Great. But politicians, like I noticed that I, I find myself fast forwarding any time a politician is speaking on any podcast and it's because they're not real. They're not like it's it's almost like listening to somebody read a like statement from their brain. Like it's sure. just uh, Stacey Abrams, I think, is one of the only people who I've heard speak who it's who like it's actually worth listening to her speak. Right. And Elizabeth Warren kind of has that too. I think all the people who are not from this traditional political class or like the, you know, the media trained corporatocracy right. thugs, you know, they're, you know. But Trump is like, talk. is a different version of that where he's just like, Dude, like we said, it's jazz. He's an old lonely guy. Yeah. Who wants people to talk to him. But uh, that, that method of accuse them of whatever they're accusing you of you know, uh, is both our first instinct when we're in uh, elementary school and say whatever we are is rubber and whatever you say, bounce off. I, I forget it. Uh, I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say, mm-hmm. bounce off me, stick on you. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was stupid. Well, turns out it is the matrix. Yeah, it is, right. <laughs> it is right. the code to hack the universe. Oh, uh, I could have been president. Yeah. So uh, there's this Atlantic article that mo- moving on from the whistleblower thing, sort of, uh, there's an Atlantic article that came out last week that I think is extremely relevant again because of what happened with Turkey and uh, Trump basically saying we're going to withdraw from northern Syria and then coming back and being like, we'll destroy Turkey if they try anything, even though it was pretty clear that he had agreed to withdraw because of Turkey. Uh, anyways, in light of all of that shit, his pull out method, pull out, putting it back in. Uh, it's worth taking a look back at sort of what these generals had to say about like why he is uniquely frustrating to work for. Mm-hmm. And this author who, like I said, uh, is the guy who wrote Black Hawk Down, just a trusted journalist when it comes to the military, starts off in the first couple of paragraphs saying, in 20 years of writing about the military, I've never heard officers in high positions express such alarm about a president. Uh, and they identify four problems that really it's like them trying to systematize and like make official these things that are just like absurd. Uh, one, he disdains expertise. Well, we uh, knew that. Yep. Yeah. No problem. He <laughs> well, just disdains right. expertise. And also, I think even if you pull, if you zoom out even further, he does not like military people. Right. Because they see him for what he is because in the back of his mind, he's still a draft dodger and I think he's always had this weird beef with like anyone who's enlisted. Well, but he likes generals. Generals, he, like, right. he, he respects. But generals. he doesn't like nom vets who are coming by to say like, hi, Agent Orange really fucking harmed our lives ir- right. ir- ir- irreversibly. And he's like, no, you're talking about something else. That wasn't from the movie Apocalypse Now. Right. Like, yeah. Remember that little showdown? Remember yeah. when he was like, I like people that didn't that don't get captured? Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like coming from him, I mean, that's just, just oh God. Sick burn. So the author points out that what Trump and his supporters refer to as the deep state uh in the world of national security is actually a vast reservoir of knowledge and global experience that ah. presidents sh- probably shouldn't be ignoring. Uh and it's not like these are like 
the security state is not like a bunch of progressives. Like they no. they are the typically the most conservative people in the government, but they are too progressive apparently for Trump. Um, they also just kind of compare Trump to you know military officials who've been uh, you know in in the war rooms with. George Bush, Barack Obama, uh, and Trump say that with regards to temperament and policy preferences, Bush and Obama were actually remarkably alike, which bad news for Obama apologists. Yeah, well, they both both didn't care if innocent people died. Right. But uh, Trump, meanwhile, is just ignores everything and basically is... Uh, <laughs> the sentence is pretty good. Despite commanding the most sophisticated intelligence gathering apparatus in the world, this president prefers to be briefed by Fox News and then arrives at decisions without input from others. Right. I mean, it's like a weird like feedback loop too, right? Because they're right. like reporting shit that they think he will like, and right. then he's getting his news from them, and they're getting their news from him. I don't even understand right. the way yeah. it works. But it's, I think that is. I think that's, that's about what it is, though. It's how celebrities like he's our first celebrity president in the sense that like everybody everybody around him is telling him exactly what he wants to hear he doesn't have like well it's that and he he's not willing to acknowledge that he doesn't know what he doesn't know yeah uh the the next weak point is he trusts only his own instincts gotta go with my god yeah uh, and the other one is he resists coherent strategy. <laughs> well, and that's where he's completely failing as a commander, right? Like right. to not to basically just put the lives of these soldiers at risk based on a whim, not yeah. even consulting properly to know that the the bad side of this is the stakes are absolutely life and death for these people that you're just like, I don't know, whatever right. the Turkish president wants. Well, he has no get sense of like personal sacrifice. He just yeah. like, can't conceive of that. And I can't imagine that like for people who support him and also really do have, you know, family or have served themselves would say, this is actually a good strategy. Right. Like someone who is just so unwilling to even look at the context of these decisions, uh, you know, full steam ahead. But they go back to this uh, thing that happened December 19th, 2018, uh, when he, I, I thought they were talking about actually what was happening in the news, like at the beginning of this week. Uh, but he said, uh, America's defeated ISIS time to bring the troops home from Syria. Right. And it was actually in the midst of like one of the most critical, uh, fights that, uh, America was having with ISIS and, you know, they needed a consistent, uh, troop presence to like keep, the momentum going and he was like no we're gonna pull him out and it was like it was just so out of line with what was actually happening on the ground and then they also point to the iran thing and just how close we came to going to a enormous war like that last second decision he made oh yeah to not yeah launch an attack right they point out that like the fact that we were all so relieved obscured the gravity of his original decision and how close he came to basically starting a a war without any end point that would have been more costly and you know cost more lives than the Iraq war. Um, it's yeah, it's like the same strategy a kid has when they're just going to hit a beehive with a stick. Yeah. It's like I'm going to smash that shit and right. there's no plan for after. Right. When it hits the ground and the bees come after you. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, I'm going to watch me fucking smash this beehive. Yeah. But the and generals the, were saying there. like, it, you know, they, it, it's it's worth reading this article because this general is just like sitting there like think, talking about like how like this therapy. almost happened over a drone. Right. Like that is just, he couldn't like even wrap his mind around it. Um Anyways, uh, Miles, is is any of this changing anything? I don't know. Now that you say that, oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of look. The polls is something that Trump is really looking at. When I think also is feeding this kind of behavior too, right? Because he's made it clear, like he's doing the thing where he's like, "You'll never impeach me," but is also obsessed with and like his fear of impeachment is very real. He even told like Republicans like he didn't want it on his resume, right? Like, okay, just like that. But he could just leave it off. No one, yeah, no yeah. one will remember. Also, like, That's I don't, how resumes work. I'm like, have you ever written a resume, sir? Right. I don't think no, so. Right. You're one of you're that class of person who's been able to get jobs without ever even being able to type. Um, so right now the polls are moving again. Uh, right now the support for impeachment's at 58 percent, with 49 uh, percent uh, supporting removal from office. 
Um, and that number has not been shrinking. And if you compare stats from a poll that was in July from before any of this controversy, the total movement towards impeachment has been growing. Support growing for 25 points among Democrats, 21 points among Republicans, and 20 points among uh, independents. And then another thing to point out is his rating among Republicans actually dropped four points since His September. approval rating. Yeah, his approval rating. Sorry. Which has been pretty much locked in the in 90s. Place. Yeah. But this finally went to 87%. Wow. Which is a little interesting. And I think, again, when you look at all of this stuff, too, and this latest just complete disaster of a decision to try and pull out of uh, Syria, you're starting to see the GOP like all suddenly in unison be like, nah, uh, uh, that's bad. That's bad. We finally have a thing we can speak up on to criticize the president because we don't want to, no one wants to dip their foot in the impeachment water. Listen to the unhinged tone of this tweet. I thought it was a joke. I saw a screenshot of it and I thought it was like doctored. Right. He goes, as I have stated strongly before, and just to reiterate, if Turkey does anything that I, in my great and unmatched wisdom, consider to be off limits, I will totally destroy and obliterate the economy of Turkey, parentheses, I've done before. Uh-huh. It's you're it's he's that's where he's at, man. He's like pointing the level that he's having to now look at himself to weather this storm is now like, oh, I'm an omniscient God. Yeah. And that's where I think we're entering that phase of this before it's he's omniscient, omnipotent. Who knows what else he believes? Yeah. And so now what's happened is you're starting to see like Tucker Carlson over the weekend basically described the president's actions as indefensible. Which actions? All this this shit around the, the Ukraine call, shit? yeah. Oh, really? I thought yeah. it was just the military thing. No, he's been saying no. Like this is this is before even the military stuff. Like if it was on Friday or something, he penned it and was saying like it's indefensible. Napol- Judge Napolitano on Fox is saying this is impeachable shit. Um, yeah. And now there's Mitt Romney who he actually might. I don't know. He he's starting to. He might have some more power uh, going into this impeachment process because you know if you remember his whole arc, right? When Trump was being uh, when he was running for the nomination, he was like, this guy's a fucking con man. And he's right. like, and the GOP will suffer greatly for embracing this man. Then he had to fucking change his tune real quick when Trump won. He like begged at a dinner. He's like, can I be secretary of state? And <laughs> haha, it was Rex Tillerson. Uh, and I can't believe that was a thing that felt like eons ago when Rex Tillerson was the secretary of state. Um, so now that Romney's in the Senate, he's been very very well somewhat vocal at least being the most critical i've heard from people on the right about the trump or about the president's actions and they're saying um you know according to this like vanity fair article talking to a few gop donors who are really fed up with trump uh quote donors have in recent days called the utah senator and encouraged him to run against trump in the primary there is a half billion dollars on the sidelines from guys who are fed up with trump a gop donor said um, and there are some polls that say, say in a hypothetical primary, Romney beats Trump 57 to 37, but he's not interested in that at all. I think he, I, according to this article too, he's a two-time loser when it comes to president shit. He's not feeling it. He's the wrong guy. And he thinks he can actually be a little more of an impact in the Senate. Right. So I don't know if like this is his like revenge arc for it to be like, no, I can do some damage from here because I can sway moderates like Susan Collins or Ben Sass, those right. kinds of and also, he won't let himself lose a primary, right? Like, they're, the states are going to change the laws. Well, like, yeah. And yeah. also, I think he just realizes, too, the base, like, he's going to be going up against Trumpers, right. and, he, like, he's not even interested I mean, in that. That's a, it scares me a little bit for there to be, like, a Romney contingent that is involved with getting him out of office because Romney is, like, just such the ultra-wealthy guy who represents, like, ultra-wealthy interests of the Republican Party. And if you have that being the thing that is ultimately responsible for bringing him down, then Trump can appeal to his populism and just be like, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a class war. Can't believe it. Look what they're doing to the working people. Right. You know what I mean? How much does a gallon of milk cost? It was like 42 bucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Ah, uh, fuck. Uh, over on Fox News, uh, on their satellite uh, radio station, uh, they're just talking about how this is totally backfiring on the Democrats. Uh, the how? impeachment. Well, impeachment, uh, if, they, if they vote to impeach, I can promise you this, Miles. If they vote to impeach, no Democratic House member wants to do that because then everybody's just going to vote them out of office yeah. because they support the president. And it's what's the point of even impeaching him? Because when it gets to the Senate, Mitch McConnell 
is not even going to bring it up for a vote. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, the problem is, though, too, the Democrats are all trying to do that trade deal, that uh, Canada, America, Mexico deal, uh, like because they want to have something done because they, right. they're they trying to shield themselves from this criticism. It's like, they're so focused on this. I don't understand why they're doing this because it's the, the evidence is there. You should really begin to do this impeachment process pr- yeah. like properly. But now they're doing the thing like, well, let's maybe make a deal on this other thing too simultaneously. I mean, if they can get it done, fuck it. I, but I think the the timing though, like they they need to actually move. Like they're too worried again because this this move is born out of the idea that the the people that the boogeymen that Fox News raises, like, well, you better watch out because these Dems in these other places they're gonna get fucking clobbered. I mean, I don't know if the the numbers are quite there to support that theory more so that. They want to give these uh, vulnerable or uh, or people who have recently flipped districts the cover to say, well, we passed this deal too. Right. Um, and I think also, but when you look at just how the momentum is growing and growing for this, it's not nearly as unpopular as they're even beginning to think now. Right. And I think that's the thing they're not weighing. It's still like this sort of like six months ago mentality of like, oh, well, like less than 40% of people are supporting of it. Right. Yeah. Just something to think about. Something to think about while we take this break. And we're back. And uh, let's get into the real important news mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah. What is trending on Pornhub? Yeah, why are y'all trying to watch the Joker smash? That is the question. Uh, so To be or not to be? Yeah. Why y'all trying to watch the Joker? Apparently, smash? this happens every time a comic book movie comes out. People see a movie and then immediately want to watch that character fuck somebebody else. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, th- this movie in particular seems like the most disturbing. I don't know. like that it is the least sexy movie I think I've ever seen. There's a part where he there's like a love interest ish part that was like distractingly out of place to me. I was just mm. like, what the fuck? fuck is happening why would he's like not regarding him in any sexual capacity just doesn't even seem to play into like the themes of the movie right Um, but apparently i think this ties into an overall uh sort of fetish of clowns and like harley quinn well i mean there's also that cycle of violence and sexual release that you use to radicalize people too right like I, i mean not to like read into it like that but you get so fucking worked up and then there's like, you're like, oh, I get my violence and I get my sexual release. Yeah. Or there are people who are just like, I really want to see the Joker smash. Because right. this movie, <laughs> there's something about this character that is so hot to me. Yeah. But like, but like Pornhub says they they track like what people are searching for. Like they, right. they track your fantasies. Does that mean they like put out a call for like content that fits this shit? Or like how is there all of a sudden so much Joker porn? Well, I, no, it's just that people were looking for it on Pornhub. Oh, it doesn't necessarily search. exist yet. No, okay. well, they're just like, yeah, so on. So, uh, no, the thing you have to understand, all all <laughs> possible porn exists. That's also true. Yes. That, right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they say over 741,000 searches involving the word Joker in the first four days following the film's release. Yeah. And um, then the first, the biggest day was Sunday when they saw 291,628 searches for a clown getting down. So is this like presumably before or after people have seen the movie? I don't know. See, that's hard to know too. Right. Are some people like, man, before I see this, I got to jerk off to the porn version. <laughs> right. And then I'll see the movie or yeah, else I'll then be I distracted. Be distracted by how exactly. much I want to fuck the Joker. Right. And then after they see this very like bummery kind of non-sexy movie, then they're like, okay, this is my, this they're is like, my thing. Right. All right, I'm yeah. into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me see if there's porn. Um, Did you like it? I was, I still don't know how I feel about it. It I, gave them nightmares. It gave me nightmares. Yeah. For like the like literal like political nightmares, um, so I I guess it was effective. I think it tapped into something. But for did sure. it make you horny, baby? <laughs> nice, <laughs> best Austin Powers <laughs> quote in uh in years. You know, loved it. Michael Moore like loved it. He's really just praising. It. He says it's a masterpiece and that it's like dangerous if you don't see it. That's what he said. I do think it's worth seeing, just like as a cultural moment. Like I I read this comic. Felix Bitterman from uh, Chapo Trap House like wrote a review of it for one of the blogs and w- was just like, it's a mediocre shit, nothing movie that people are reacting to because they just, their brains are broken. But I, I didn't find, maybe my brain is broken, but I didn't find it to be like 
pointless or like a mediocre movie. I found it to be like, I, I get what the significance is. I don't know if it's, I don't know how, like there's, there's huge political questions tied up in like how I feel about it overall, but. Um, Got it. Yeah. Well, let's not uh, distract from the fact that Harley Quinn is actually the yeah. most searched character, video game, comic, or otherwise of all time. Video game, movie, or comic uh, uh, ever searched. Yeah. yeah. Higher than like Jessica Rabbit, higher than well, she's uh, a cartoon. that other rabbit. Uh, that Miles, Lola Bunny? Lola well, Bunny. You know, that that's Miles. Not, that's, that's, I mean, some things are pure. Woo. But yeah, I think, yeah, cartoons are not going to work. I feel like Lara Croft, I wonder who's number two. Yeah. To Harley Quinn. Lara Croft, Batwoman, Catwoman, yeah. Ratwoman. Or like, yeah, keep going. Datwoman? Mm-hmm. Dat fan? Yeah, Dat From fan. Last Comic Standing? Probably. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about China. Uh, China. We love China. Moving we on. We love China. Thank uh, you so much. <laughs> no, so the, you know, China's hammer continues to fall on anybody who uh, vocalizes any support for the protesters uh, in Trey Hong Parker Kong. and Matt Stone also got their uh, their episode banned, and then they just doubled down with the most fuck you apology. They're Did like, they really? we love China. Like James, like <laughs> they're like just like James, the NBA. We welcome Chinese censors into our homes and into our hearts. <laughs> right. And Xi Jinping does not look like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Uh, Adam Silver issued a second statement supporting his team and players' right to express themselves while standing by their fans what in the China. Fuck? And China basically wasn't having it and canceled two games there. Uh, so that's a double L for Adam Silver in that, like he he tried to like have it both ways and looked like an asshole. And then China uh, wasn't having it anyways. Uh, but meanwhile, Blizzard uh, didn't even fuck around and pretend they supported free speech. A player in a post-game interview voiced support for uh, the Hong Kong protesters, calling it the revolution of our time, and he was immediately banned for a year, uh, vacated of all his prize money, and uh, the people interviewing him uh, during the post-game interview uh, who it should be noted ducked when he said what he said. They yeah, as if he said, out of as camp. if he said, "Hold on, I've Ebola." <laughs> right, like they jumped under the table. Uh, they Just like were, afraid of being guilty by association. Yes, that's they were insane. fired. They were, and they were. So they, they were. They knew. Blizzard it. announced. So that's that's where we're at with China and their for a player of a game called Hearthstone. Yes, Hearthstone. Uh, and truly radical. Uh, super producer DJ Daniel was saying that. Like the numbers on how many people watch streaming video games on, like you know, like the national championship worlds, the, dude. The worlds for League of Legends, for, bro. For LOL, League of Legends. The numbers are wild, dude. Yeah, it was like two million people at peak streaming it. If you take China out of the equation, like uh-huh. streaming it concurrently, two million people like live stream without China numbers. Without China, and then you add China, two hundred and seven million. Okay, cool. So it's, I guess that's a, I guess, uh, can we eat that check? Right. Can we not? I mean, that's really all it is, right? Every company that does business with China, like over this kind of shit, they're showing uh, at the end of the day, like we're really concerned with that revenue stream. Even if it means like we're going to punish American citizens for standing with a pro-democracy movement. Yeah. Like what the fuck? And I think there's eventually, right? I feel like American consumers are going to start to be like, what the, f- who's this for? Like, is this, we're America, like we, you have fans here in the U.S. too. Right. We're like, we f- culturally, we feel like we can say this kind of shit right. or we can speak out in support of things like this. And it's funny, like, you know, I, I wonder at a certain point if there will be a company who's like, you know what, we don't need your money. Right. But I don't know if that's the case because it's such a huge chunk of business that it would really require people to like gut check themselves and be like, is money really the important thing? Right. I just don't think yes. that happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then that's all we see around us is goes, that's right, money is our God. So yeah. if they're threatening our God, we will do whatever we have to I do. I mean, I think, you know, that's why the upcoming generation like drastically prefers socialism to capitalism. Yeah. And, like I was listening to a uh, fifty year old Bill Simmons and Chuck Klosterman like talk about that fact and they were just like blown away. They like almost talking about it like it was like a joke to them. Like how could that possibly be the case that that meant well here's the difference right the boomers gen xers even millennials to a certain extent we grew up in a time where we saw a lot of expansion a lot of good times fucking if you were a kid in the 80s 
right. the chance uh, if you were middle class, parents were doing well. Right. That's a different environment. Like where we're in, oh, shit's possible. Cut to now. Every, there's just this nihilism about the economy right. and what the future holds for you. So your your tune is very different. We're not bopping to the same music as them. Right. And they're like, what the heck? They don't like this shit? And there is a built-in like duality where uh, America versus communism and communism was connected to socialism and communism was proven not to work. And therefore, you know, it's like, I think That's a lot of people just take. had it uh, kind of solved in their mind at that point and are like, wait, what, why are all these kids We well, even socialism? see it in, uh, like, Kylie Jenner's uh, Instagram recently. She was flexing with all her fucking Range Rovers and, like, muscle supercars and shit. And people uh-huh. in the comments are like, we get it. Yo, what the fuck? They're like, what yeah. is this? They're like, that that one car could have saved a fucking village. Like, yeah. And it was weird that, like, that's sort of what is in the comments of something like this, where normally this is people are, like, worshiping celebrity. And now it's like that, cha- that tone changing because people are like, yo, I'm never going to afford that, so fuck you. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I have a 10-year-old daughter, and she is constantly refusing people. She's constantly calling people out for weird flexes like that. Right, right. Like, yeah. she like uses gross. those right. words. It's gross. It's just not cute anymore. And right. Like, she's 10, and she gets it. Yeah. And she's just over it. And she gets the political climate, too, in her own way, and is just, like, so fed up with this kind of stuff. I mean, she's not, like, a bummed-out kid or anything, but it's just a, you can definitely see it shifting. Right, right. Is it? cool if we have your daughter on the podcast oh she'd be great time. yeah, she yeah. No, yeah no, she's so awesome. cool i love the idea of a 10 year old being like not cute anymore guys <laughs> it's like oh you guys are into podcasting huh, huh. you guys are my dad's friends <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh yeah, she's way cooler than me she'd be great yeah. uh ellen ellen the degenerous uh-huh. uh was spotted uh by football fans palling it up with george w bush uh, and they all thought it was cool, but uh, not not so cool. So uh, people noticed this and started making the rounds on social media. Uh, not only was she sitting next to him, they were talking and laughing. And uh, she, you know, got some angry tweets. And she also got like one nice tweet, which she read on air uh, on the Ellen show about how this makes me believe in America again. And then I think we have a clip of her explanation. People were upset. They thought, why is a gay Hollywood liberal sitting next to a conservative Republican president? Didn't even notice I'm holding the brand new iPhone 11. And, um, <laughs> Ellen. But a lot of people were mad, and they did what people do when they're mad. They tweet. And, uh, but here's one tweet that I loved. This uh, person says, Ellen and George Bush together makes me have faith in America again. And, um, oh. I mean, yeah. I guess that's how a Bush supporter would feel, right? Well, pat yourself on the Here's back. The thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with what? a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay that we're all different. Because we're instance, rich. I wish people wouldn't right. wear fur. I don't like it, but but I'm friends with people who wear fur. And I, I'm friends with people who wear Here's a relatable one. As a matter of fact, I have <laughs> friends who should tweeze more. And I, I have... But just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean that I'm not going to be friends with them. When I say be kind to one another, I don't mean only the people that think the same way that you do. I mean be kind to everyone. Doesn't matter. Even people who destabilize an entire region of the country and threw it into utter chaos and causing countless trauma for our own people and uh, countless millions around the world. Yeah. Under false, Under fucking false pretenses. Yeah. Millions. That's like, I don't... See, and this is what happens, too. Like, I bet these presidents, they're always waiting. Like, George Bush was probably rooting for Donald Trump. He's like, because, man, the second this motherfucker gets in, they'll start forgetting about me. I can start rehabilitating my image. I'm yucking it up with Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> yeah. But have you seen his paintings? They're pretty solid. Yeah, dude. He's really chill. Like, it turns yeah. out he's maybe not, may not be, like, a vicious war criminal. I don't know. I mean. You hate to see it. <laughs> Uh, it's just like fucking it's just so disturbing because then that's really it's like that succession type world where it's like you know at a certain level you get so rich off the backs of people yeah that that's actually your true common ground it's really not your political beliefs it's the fact that you're so rich that's how i relate to people and that's how i can dismiss this other shit yeah i was i was reading a profile of this like voice of the people journalist i i forget what his name is but he uh, the journalist was with him when he saw Ann Coulter in a airport and they like fist bumped each other. We're just like, yo, what's up? Yeah. Like we're tight. Um, hey, we're getting money. And that's, I don't know that either of them are uh, ultra rich, but the ultra rich <laughs> similarly have that sort of solidarity. Right. 
I'm reading a book about uh, tax shelters right now and how they are basically, you know, they're the reason that the tax, the effective tax rate for the ultra wealthy has just gone to be the lowest in America. Yeah. Um, And, you know, this person's argument is there are ways to solve that, uh, but really wealthy people and moneyed interests in America are working really hard to make it seem like, well, that's just going to happen. There's always going to be a certain percentage yeah, that of gets us away. who don't pay pay our taxes. And, you know, the, this book does a really good job of proving that that's not the case and coming up with some solutions. Uh, I'll link off to it in the footnotes. Is it maybe also that people are upset about this because it really just points to the fact that Ellen DeGeneres is just somebody that sort of plays a character on a TV show? Sure, <laughs> is not necessarily too, yeah. this bastion of like liberal, you know, holiness kind no, of? No, definitely not. I mean, I don't think there's been anything very essentially that hyper progressive about her. I mean, she's just sort of like normalizes a lot of weird people. Yeah. And this is just another example. Her last stand-up special was called Relatable in the first run, which was actually pretty funny because it was like self-aware. She was like acknowledging how unrelatable her life is and how, you know, she's just crazy wealthy and nothing in her life is like the people in the audience's life. Uh, but like even in that monologue that we played, you heard her uh, talk about like, you know, so, some of my friends wear furs. Right. There's there's something that's relatable, but like, oh right, yeah. yeah, not like you know, you guys all, for instance, probably feel conflicted about fur, but a lot of your friends wear furs, right? Exactly. Right? I mean, I look chinchilla's fine. Right. It's the minks that I'm really concerned about. Yeah, uh-huh. and you guys get that, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Uh, well, no. It's been a pleasure having you, man. Oh man, always a pleasure. Nice to be in the actual room. And yeah, not, not on the speakerphone. This has been great. How do we smell? So good. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, where can people find you, follow you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at HowNowNoelBrown. Um, you can find my shows, Ridiculous History and Stuff They Don't Want You To Know, uh, everywhere you get podcasts. Awesome. And is there a tweet you've been enjoying? There is. It's a tweet from Jesse Case, and it says, I have the memory mattress and the gravity blanket. Once I acquire the time pillow and the duvet of truth, I can do the summoning. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, that is in my liked category as well. Miles, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me, you know, on Twitter, Instagram at Miles of Gray. A uh, tweet I like is from Incorrigible Mozart Goose at Trevor Wagen. Casual sex implies the existence of ranked competitive sex. <laughs> Also, don't forget October 16th for the Chicago Podcast Festival. You can check out Ethnically Ambiguous live, live. okay, at the Hungry Brain, 7 p.m. Brain. Okay, come check out Super Producer Anna Hosnier, Hosnier. Shereen Younes. Uh, they're going to do their thing. Go witness firsthand. Anna in- needs to be experienced in person. To Actually, yeah, to understand the energy, uh, if you don't know, is it's strong. It's powerful. It's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, oh, thank you so much. So check them out and get your tickets at chicagopodcastfestival.com. couple tweets I liked. Joe Rumrill uh, at Two Ton Bug tweeted, I want a Joker type movie, but about the fucked up circumstances that led that guy to become Mr. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Megan Amran, just a true thing. You can't be nice to everyone because being nice to certain people is inherently cruel to others. Uh, and another true thing, AO's World tweeted, Netflix should have a category called easy to follow while looking at my phone the whole time. <laughs> uh, and that is a for certain. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what's that going to be today? This is a track from a French artist from the 80s uh, who, you know, was getting down in New York City uh, named Lizzie Mercier de and uh, this track is called Slipped Disc, and it's like apparently the scene was called the No Wave scene. I didn't realize that, but it's got a lot of like good like world rhythms and things like that. And um, it's I don't know like when you hear it, you're like this shit is pretty timeless in a way. Um, and it's a great vibe. So check out Lizzie Mercy Declou. Are you familiar? Uh, 
Oh, no, I know the No Wave scene. Is this what you were uh, playing in the office earlier? Just kind of disco scene? I did play one track of hers earlier, yeah, yeah. Because that was a cover of Arthur, uh, The Crazy World of Arthur Brown, the song Fire. The, which is like the, a psychedelic. Yeah, the, like, that, that yeah. was her hit that she was got covering. It, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, that one. Cool. Yeah, this I is a different track. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking earlier about how the 80s disco scene is happening. Just the early 80s, late 70s is having a moment right now. I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of good tracks on the Righteous Gemstone soundtrack. Uh, and also there's this uh, underground movie, Joker, that came out that's set in late 70s, early 80s. Oh. Yeah, check it out. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for today. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows, guys. That's going to do it. We will be back tomorrow because it is a daily podcast, and we'll talk to you guys then. Bye. Hey, yeah.